0: Hello and welcome to the Revived Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Todd reveals the meaning behind an often overlooked or neglected verse in Paul's first letter to the Thessalonians. Paul refers to our spirit, soul, and body. Most of us have a reasonable idea what our body and soul are about. But what about our spirit? What do we understand about that and how does our spirit work with our soul and our body? Pastor Todd reveals how critical our spirit is to the functioning of our soul and body. Let's listen in. Be sure to listen to the end for some exciting information.
1: Hey, today I've entitled the message, What Was My Soul Thinking? Uh, And and I'm going to teach on something that I've taught on before, but hopefully we're going to go a little further and a little deeper, because I think this is just a time where we need to understand what's coming from our head and our own thoughts and what's really driven by the Spirit. If we don't have the discernment to see the difference, we're going to end up making some mistakes. I'm going to start in a very familiar scripture that I've taught on, 1 Thessalonians. 523. 1 Thessalonians 523. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. Everybody say entirely. entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He just said, may God sanctify you entirely and that includes your spirit, your soul and your body. Listen to me. This may be a new concept for you. But you are made of a body, a soul and a spirit. There is a spirit of man. And and and, and you can see this in scripture in many different ways which I hope to show you, but let me give you evidence that when Jesus was here as a man, he had that same three-part makeup as a man. Let me show it to you. In Matthew 27, 59, we know that at his crucifixion, his body was put in the tomb. It says, and Joseph took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in a clean cloth and laid it in a new tomb that he had hewn out of rock. And he rolled a large stone against the entrance of the tomb and went away. We also know by going back into scriptures, we see it in Acts two twenty-seven and Psalm sixteen ten speaking of Jesus, that Jesus says, my soul will not be abandoned to Hades nor will the Holy One undergo decay. Jesus' soul at his death goes to Hades so that he can defeat death, so he can get the keys to death, so he can overcome death. But before he died, he said something on the cross that maybe we miss the significance of what happened. In, in Luke 23, 46, and Jesus crying out the loud voice said, "Father." Into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he breathes his last breath. His spirit was returned to God. Now we can get into a, a good theological conversation right now, but if you look in your scripture in Luke 23 46, you'll see when he says, I commit my spirit, that that spirit is not a capital S. He's talking about the spirit that he was endued with as a man, and that spirit could not go to Hades. Why? Because that spirit had never sinned. That spirit was clean. That spirit was flawless. And so he commits it to the Lord before he makes his journey with his soul into hell. So you'll notice that he commits his spirit at death to God. His soul goes to Hades, but his body is in the tomb. It's the same with man, that we are made of three parts. Listen, we were made in the image of God, and God is three. In Genesis 2 7, may have missed it, but let's look at it. Then the Lord formed man of the dust of the ground. Talking about his body was formed out of what was already created. He formed his body. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. The breath of life referring to the spirit. And man became, depending on your translation, a living soul. Uh, Some of yours says a living being, but that word is nefesh. 475 times in the Old Testament, it is translated as soul. So man had a body. God breathed the spirit into him. And then he became a living soul. Those three parts were there. So when man sins in the garden, sins brings death. That's what we understand out of scripture that sin brought death. But we know this when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they didn't fall to the ground dead. God said, you will surely die. But they did not in the way that we're seeing it. They didn't just stop breathing and fall to the ground. Why? Because their body is going to continue. Their soul will continue. We know their soul continued because they continued to have children. They had to move out of the garden. They had to leave. They had to use the thought processes. But the spirit of man dies because of sin. So the spirit of man is the death that it's talking about there. So when we go forward into the New Testament, we read in Ephesians 2, you were dead in your trespasses and sin. Paul is talking to people and he's saying you were dead. Does he mean they were in a tomb yesterday? No. They're sitting there listening to him. They are alive beings, but he says you were dead in your trespasses and sin, but you have been made alive in Christ. Why are they alive now? Because the spirit of man gets regenerated. It gets renewed. It gets sealed and indwelled by the spirit. They are born again. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and Nicodemus, he he says, how can I get into the kingdom of God? And Jesus says, well, you got to be born again. And he says, how can I get back into my mother's womb? And Jesus says, no, flesh is flesh. Spirit is spirit. You must be born in the spirit. You've been born once in the flesh, but now you've got to be born again. You've got to be born in the spirit. Your spirit has to be brought to life. So what happens when we're made alive in the spirit? Conceptually, theologically, grab a hold of it. This is where the Holy Spirit dwells in us. Do you not know you are the temple of God and his spirit dwells in you? His spirit doesn't dwell in your soul. His spirit doesn't dwell in your body. His spirit dwells in the spirit of man that has been regenerated and brought to life. Are you with me? Okay. So now we have the Holy Spirit who resides in us, in the regenerated, alive spirit when we were made alive in Christ. So here's the problem. Now we have communication from the spirit in our spirit, but we still have our soul. We still have our old thinking process. We still have the things that need to be renewed in our mind. And so your soul in scripture is your mind, your will, and emotions. Those are the words we use to describe the soul. For me and you, it's, it's more of a broke down this way. I know your body. You know my body. We're looking at it. The spirit is something that is regenerated in us when we come to life and we begin to be indwelled by the Holy Spirit because he is spirit, he must dwell in the spirit. But the soul is everything in between it's the thought processes it's how i think what makes me me and you you your experiences what you like what you don't like how you make decisions all of those are things of the mind and the soul so the soul in scripture mind will and emotion what you think is your mind what you want is your will and what you feel is your emotions so I want you to think about this when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, and they are now dead in the spiritual realm. What did they think? We're naked. What did they want? We need to hide. What did they feel? We're afraid. There was no alive spirit and dwelled by the Holy Spirit in them, so they were making decisions with their soul. Oh, come on. So, so I want you to think about this. If the Holy Spirit was alive and working in their alive spirit, what would the Holy Spirit have said to them, to their soul through the Spirit? He would have said, no, 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 God loves you. God will forgive you. You need to repent. God will never leave you or forsake you. You don't need to hide. You don't need to be afraid of him. Stand up, repent, go back to the Father. This is what the Spirit would have guided them. That's the kind of direction we get from our spirit. Now, let me blow your mind if you're a theologian. Theologian? Theologian why do we have the law in the old testament and it is all physical items because there is no alive spirit of man in the old testament he is dealing with everything in his soul so he must have physical Representation. He must have a set of laws that he has to obey. It's written for spiritually dead people because they're waiting for Christ to come and defeat death so that the Spirit can come. Now, I don't, we can get into it later, but their souls are still saved for the day of eternity, but they don't have an alive, living Holy Spirit living in them because their spirit has not been regenerated. This is why occasionally God says, I put my spirit on that person so he could make the items of the temple, I put my spirit on this person so they could do something but they don't generally have a live spirit in the Old Testament. So we can walk in the flesh or we can walk in the Holy Spirit guided spirit of man. How do I do that? Let's go to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 19. Knowing that I've been made alive in Christ, something is different and it gets explained here. 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 19. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. I introduced a new word, the flesh. What is the flesh? The flesh is the body and the soul. It's the body and the soul. As scripture talks about the flesh saying you're being carnal. You're in your flesh. He's talking about things you're doing with your body and with your soul because the spirit is not present. Therefore, now we recognize no one according to the flesh. Let me show you that flesh statement used in another scripture. In Romans seven eighteen. it says this, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Watch this for the willing. Is present in me but the doing of good is not I don't know if you just saw it but he said I will and I do my soul and my body in the flesh I can't do anything but let's go back therefore now we recognize no one according to the flesh even though we have known Christ according to the flesh this is Paul saying he hasn't resurrected up until that point. So we didn't have the spirit. And so we knew him in the flesh. Yet now... Now that he has died, now that he has been resurrected, now that our spirits have been regenerated, now we know him in this way no longer. We don't know him in the flesh and the soul. Now we know him in a new way. How do we know him in a new way? Because the spirit of man has been regenerated. The spirit of man has been brought to life. The spirit of man has made available a place for the Holy Spirit to dwell. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, things have become new. What is he saying? Until now, we have come to know Christ only with our mind and with our body. This is why it was so hard for the people of the first century to grab a hold of who Jesus was because they were thinking of a physical king. I don't know anything about the spiritual realm. I don't know about the kingdom of God. What I know about is we need a king here to get the Romans out so we're no longer oppressed and bring peace to the land. So there's no spiritual connection until the spirit of man has been regenerated. This is why the law now makes sense under the old covenant, because there had to be a set of rules that were physical to be guided by. But once the spirit has been born in you, you've been brought to life. Now, let me tell you, this is why when, they, when the spirit of man is not regenerated and the Holy Spirit is not dwelling in him, and this is why non-Christians act like non-Christians, because all they have to deal with is their soul and their body. All I had to deal with before coming to Christ was my soul and my, what do I see? What do I think? What do I feel? I had to measure everything back off of that. That's why as a sinner, I sinned because I had no moral compass. I had no direction from the spirit. This is why people who don't know God don't need God because I've got it figured out. But listen, there are so many people right now being led by their soul, and I'm talking about even Christians. Even Christians who have had their spirit brought back to life and the Holy Spirit dwell in they are still depending on their soul. Let me tell you where you hear it at. People will say things like, Christians will say things like this, well, God gave us a brain, didn't he? We should use it. That's denying the spirit. That's denying the spirit by saying God has left us without a spirit and we just need to figure this out on our own with our brain, with our mind. Oh, okay, it'll make more sense. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 2.9. Because now I'm saying, okay, I've got this struggle going on where I'm thinking and yet I've got an alive spirit with the Holy Spirit dwelling in me and I'm supposed to be hearing from that spirit. So how does that system work? It's in 1 Corinthians 2.9. Just as it is written things that the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard What are we talking about the body the eye and the ear? What have you seen? What have you heard? That's the body and which have not entered the heart of man Where are the emotions of man in the soul? So now we're talking about there are things that we didn't hear or see physically and we don't know in our soul We don't know all that god has prepared for those who love him. Watch this For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit, capital S. Are you with me? We haven't seen them. We haven't heard them. They're not in our soul, but they've been revealed through the Spirit. Watch this. Because the Spirit searches all things, even the depth of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man? Now watch this. Except the Spirit of the man which is in him. Look at that word, spirit of the man. Is it a capital S in your Bible? No, it's not talking about the Holy Spirit in you. It's talking about the spirit of man that got regenerated. Who knows the spirit of the man? Uh, uh, for who among you knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit which is in him? Even so, just like that, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Holy Spirit of God now we're saying God's spirit is the Holy Spirit and God's spirit knows the thoughts of God just like your spirit knows your thoughts that gets a little creepy doesn't it all of a sudden my spirit's saying I know what you're thinking Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Holy Spirit, capital S, who is from God, so that we may know things freely given to us by God. I don't know if you just saw it, but the Holy Spirit searches the things of God, Our spirit knows our thoughts. The Holy Spirit is downloading into our spirit so they can be transferred to our thoughts. So our spirit can say, I know what you're thinking, but that's not who God is. I know what you're thinking, but you're an adopted child of God. I know what you're thinking, but this sickness won't last. The spirit is revealing things to our spirit so that we can walk by the... God, let's say that again. The spirit is revealing things to my spirit so that I can walk by the... Yeah. Goodness. God has a Holy Spirit that knows what God is thinking. God has a Holy Spirit that reveals things to us from God. Man has a spirit that knows what man is thinking. So God reveals things through the Holy Spirit to man's spirit so he can guide our thinking. Whoo. Whoo. Let's go into Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Let me give you a confirmation of this. Proverbs twenty twenty seven: The spirit of man, small s, not capital. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. Lord, How does God see into your soul? Through the spiritual realm. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord searching all of the innermost parts of your being. Whew! So that regenerated spirit got your number. <laughs> knows you, knows what you're thinking, why you're making the decision. Let me show you something cool. This is, this is extra, this is free. Look at verse 28. Loyalty and truth preserve the king, and he upholds his throne by righteousness. What are loyalty and truth? They're feelings. They're emotions. They are decisions. That's in the soul. Look at 29. The glory of a young man is in their strength, and the honor of an old man is in their gray hair. What are we talking about? The body. You see the spirit, the soul, and the body defined for us in Proverbs. But I want you to look at 27. If we are listening to the Holy Spirit in our spirits, we are learning what we need to be led by God. Oh, this is so huge. It's so huge. It's so huge for me to recognize what I'm thinking may not be from God, but if I'm getting it from the Spirit, I'm being guided by the Spirit, Romans eight fourteen. For all who are being led by the Holy Spirit, capital S, Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you've received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Look at 16. The Spirit, Holy Spirit, capital S. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit, small s, the Spirit of man, that we are children of God. Uh, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, I need the Holy Spirit to tell my spirit, to remind my soul that I'm a child of God. So when I think I'm alone, when I'm feeling depressed, when I'm in fear, he says, no, 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 no. You're a child of God. Those things aren't for you. These things are for you. Amen. What is freely given to us? Go back to 2 Corinthians 2 2. Adoption. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to my spirit? Adoption. The Holy Spirit is telling me, You are a child of God. So as a believer, I have to learn to make decisions that come from my spirit not my soul. Now, my spirit is going to guide my soul, but I have to make decisions that are based in the spirit and not from the soul. If we're making decisions in our soul, we are missing the input that comes from God. (laughs) If we are making decisions in our soul, we are voiding, ignoring, and not accepting the input of God. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's my soul, so that you may prove what the perfect will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. The soul, the mind needs to be renewed. Let me tell you something about that word. Renewed means again, new. It means it needs to go back to the status that it was before sin. I've got to begin renewing my mind and going back to the place prior to sin, where the communication is open between me and God. I am renewing my mind to get rid of thoughts of death. I'm renewing my mind to get rid of thoughts of evil. I'm renewing my mind to get rid of thoughts of temptation. I'm taking everything captive and I'm kicking it out so that I can renew. I can get my mind back to where it was supposed to be. The spirit is alive and indwelled by the Holy Spirit, and it is perfect. This is conceptually a tough thing to maybe grab. My body is in the process of being sanctified. One day I will have a new body. This ain't the one going to heaven, thank you God. My soul is being renewed on a regular basis. That sanctification process is when I learn about sin, when I decide to accept the things of God, when I put my faith and trust in him, and my soul and my mind are being renewed, but my spirit is ready for eternity. Listen to me, this is why Jesus says, I have to give up my spirit before I die because it does not go to Hades. It has to be because it is ready for eternity. My spirit is, okay, let's go for it. Okay, so I hear a lot of people, especially in the, in, the, in the background I was brought up in, say, no, a Christian can't have a demon. A Christian can't have a demon because the Holy Spirit and, and the, uh, the demon can't be in the same place. They're not. The Holy Spirit is in my spirit and the demon is oppressing my soul and my body. That's why you can watch deliverance happen on a believer and think, I thought you were a believer. You were, but the demon doesn't come to the spirit because it cannot enter. Uh, That's why the high priest couldn't go beyond the veil because if he had any sin on him, he would die. So the demonic can't come into my spirit because my spirit has been made perfect by the Holy Spirit. It is ready for eternity, but the spirit can. The evil spirit can attack my soul. He can attack my mind. He can attack my body. Hang in there, hang in there. So let's go on. And, And this is why I don't like that comment. Well, God gave us brains, didn't he? Because all you're telling me is you're depending on your mind. And all I'm telling you is if you depend on your mind only, you will make bad decisions. So how do we depend on the spirit? How do I get to that place where I know this is from the spirit? First, we have to recognize when we're thinking in our soul and when we're thinking from our spirit. That would be helpful, yeah? Okay, so let's dig into that. How do I know? Hebrews 4.12. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God, and I wanna show you something about that word of God in that place right there. That word of God is not talking about the Bible. The word used in there is Logos. And Logos includes the Bible, but is not exclusive to the Bible. Logos means anything that is known of God. So now we're talking about everything about God is what we're gonna be using. It says everything about God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword and it pierces as far as the division of the soul and the spirit of the joints and marrow. And watch this, this is critical. And it's able... To judge, what is? The word of God is able to judge the thoughts and the intentions and the heart. I don't know if you just saw it, but that was the mind, the will, and the motions. The word of God is able to judge the soul. Mm. But it says that the word of God can divide the soul and the spirit. I want you to go back to Ephesians 4 verse 12 and say, what spirit is being divided? piercing as far as the vision of the soul and the small s, spirit. The spirit of man is being divided. What did he just say? That the word of God can tell you whether you're in your soul or in the spirit. It can divide the thoughts of the spirit and the thoughts of the mind. The word of God does that. So how do I know if I've made a decision in my soul or in my spirit? The word of God will tell me. Inside the word of God is the ability to tell if you're operating in your soul or your spirit. And then it goes on to say, it will judge your mind, will, and emotions. What's he saying? That the word of God will know when you're in your soul. So if you want things to be, know if things are done in the flesh or the spirit, you measure it against the word of God and whatever decision you make will be judged by the word of God. So how do I get that word of God? The Holy Spirit dwells in you. Probably the biggest leap to make to get into being led by the spirit is recognizing the Holy Spirit in you recognizing when these things are coming of the spirit or these things are just what I'm thinking with this great brain that God gave me that always gets me in trouble. So I don't know why I keep depending on it. But the word of God is the standard. How you think what you want, how you feel does not change the word of God. It doesn't. The word of God does not change based on your thoughts. The word of God does not conform to what you want. The word of God is not contingent upon your emotions or your status. The word of God is fixed, unchangeable, trustworthy, faithful, secure, honest. It is wisdom, truth, and knowledge. So let's look at the way that the Holy Spirit then directs us to the word of God. Where do the word and the spirit come together? So I've got this division of what's in my soul and my mind. Very, very simple way is in John 14. Jesus is talking. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples. These things I've spoken to you while abiding with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Watch this. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, don't be fearful. So one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to bring to mind, to remembrance for us, the things that God has said. (laughs) Here we go. You ever been tempted to do something wrong and a scripture pops into your mind? Like you're about to curse out somebody for doing something stupid. In John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, even as I loved you that you love one another also. Man, I don't need that right now. I'm ticked off and I don't need a scripture to be brought to my mind. wife been getting on your nerves? That never happens to me. Wife's getting on your nerves and all of a sudden you hear Ephesians 5, 25. Husbands, love your wife just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You're like, no, I don't want to hear that right now. (laughs) And just to be fair, so your husband has done something really dumb and you're ready to tell him what a child he is. And then Ephesians 5.33 comes. Wife, see to it that you respect your husband. That's the Holy Spirit at work. It's the Holy Spirit guiding you. It's the Holy Spirit saying, "I, I, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. Get back over here. I'm not going to let you do that in the corner, sit down, look at the wall. So I have to be able to hear from the spirit and not determine things that are in my soul. And Paul says it this way. 1 Corinthians 2.14, but a natural man, what is a natural man? That's the flesh, that's one without a regenerated spirit, that's the soul and the body working together as a natural or carnal man, does not accept the things of the Holy Spirit of God. They are foolishness to him. He cannot understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually appraised and the only time in scripture I see an exception to this which is a theological conversation not a, uh, uh, not a, uh, a dichotomy or a confusion is when the spirit convicts a man to come to Christ uh, other than that uh, a carnal man cannot understand the things of the spirit he says why are you giving money to that church he says why are you kind to that jerk Why don't you just quit your job instead of putting up with that? Because he doesn't understand that in the spirit, we're being led by the spirit and guided by the spirit. Appraised in the Greek means to judge, to estimate, or to determine. So you cannot judge or determine spiritual things with your soul. I'm going to let that hang for a minute. You cannot judge or determine spiritual things with your soul. It has to be judged and determined in the spirit and released to your soul. To judge or determine spiritual things, you have to have the Holy Spirit and a regenerated spirit. It's a spiritual thing that must be determined by the spiritual realm. Spirit to spirit understands the things of the spirit. So maybe... Maybe we jump into a scripture that you can get a little better understanding of in John four twenty four, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit. Now, we always put and truth, and that's good, but there's an and, so that means either. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship him in spirit. What is he saying? That you can stand and raise your hands and you can cry and you can sing the song, but worship isn't happening if your spirit is not regenerated. Pete said it beautifully this morning. Something in me has to worship. It's that regenerated spirit filled with the Holy Spirit that explains to me, this is what God looks for today. Today, would you pour your heart in this way? Today, would you confess these things before him? Today, would you get on your knees? So in order to truly worship God, I have to worship him in spirit. And this is why we say a lot of charismatic things today are in the flesh. It's why what we were doing is not generated. I mean, it is, if what we're doing is not generated from the spirit, it is generated from the flesh. Listen carefully. The reason we know that something is being done in the flesh and not in the spirit is because we're determining and judging by the Holy Spirit in our spirit. And now come on, if you've been a believer long and your spirit is regenerated and you can say, I don't know what they're doing, but that is not of God. Or they can say, what they're doing is crazy, but God's all over that thing. So it doesn't matter if it's crazy. It may look crazy, but if it's in the spirit, it's valid. If it's crazy looking and it's in the flesh, it's not valid. And the only way to appraise it is in the spirit because you cannot appraise the spirit from the flesh. And you cannot appraise the flesh without having the spirit to guide you. (laughs) Let me wrap it up this way. The problem is that too many charismatics, and by the way, I'm a charismatic. Too many charismatics believe any fire is better than no fire. And too many fundamentalists say, we just got to put out the fire. Oh. (laughs) I like offended two groups at one time. I've had charismatic leaders come to me and say, man, any fire is better than no fire. Strange fire is better than no fire. And I've had fundamentalists come to me and say, we don't want any fire. That fire stuff is crazy. Just put the fire out. But when the word and the spirit come together, we understand what worship is. We understand from the spirit how it moves us and and, and what the result of that is. And I'm sorry I am sorry. I think there's two or three people in here that can relate to me. I was raised in a denomination where you were to show no emotion because that was undignified. And I'm done with dignity. I'm done with dignity. No, 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 no. Don't clap yet. I want you to hear me out. That does not mean I want to do things in the flesh. It means if the Spirit drops me to the floor weeping, I'm on the floor weeping. I'm not saying, I can't do that in front of these people. If the Spirit tells me to shout this out, I'm gonna shout it out. There's a declaration to be made and I don't wanna resist the Spirit so I may shout it out. So what are we saying today? As believers, you have been born again once in the flesh and once in the Spirit. You were born in the flesh and born again in the Spirit. If we rely on our minds, we're making decisions In the flesh, if we rely on the Holy Spirit's communication through our alive spirit, we're getting instruction from God. And whatever instruction I get from the Holy Spirit will be in line with the word of God. If it is not consistent with the word of God, then it is not in the spirit. So some of you sit here and say, I don't know anything about the spirit. I don't know anything about hearing something from the spirit as opposed to my own thoughts because I thought God was just in there condemning me and making me feel bad for all the bad things I do and telling me one day I should become a Christian so I won't do bad things anymore. Let me clearly tell you that is not the spirit and that is not God. That is condemnation from the devil. God never condemns. I want you to hear me out. How do you know if it's God telling you something? God does not condemn. There is therefore now no, none, zero, zip, all gone. No condemnation. How do I know then when I'm doing wrong and I need to be rebuked and need to be corrected Because God convicts. God says you can do better. He doesn't say you did bad. He says, look toward these things. He doesn't say, why are you looking at these things? He convicts you and you know the Holy Spirit is tugging on you and you know the right thing to do is to go ask that lady if she's looking for a church. Because the Holy Spirit will speak to you. Sometimes in a still small voice, sometimes he'll whack you over the head. Seven years ago, drop me to the floor and this is what the Spirit said. You've been talking about me for years. It's time for you to get to know me. That communication process only happens if the Holy Spirit has a place to dwell in me. And because of sin, my spirit is dead until I come to know Christ And then it is regenerated, sealed for the day of redemption, and indwelled by the Spirit. And then that communication begins. So if you're not hearing that communication, either the enemy has been working on you and deceiving you, or you don't know Christ. If the enemy has been working on you to deceive you, it's time for you to declare you are an adopted son of God. You are a child of God, indwelled by the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, and you will not accept the condemnation of the enemy. But if you don't know Christ, hear me out. God creates this earth and he creates mankind and he puts them on the planet and he tells the first two, you have dominion over it all. It is all yours. Enjoy it. Eat from every tree. You will rule over the fish and the birds and the animals. This is all yours. Enjoy. Don't eat from this tree. Don't eat from this tree of knowledge of good and evil because once you know the knowledge of evil, sin will enter into your life. And you may think, well, why did God even put that there? Because it would have been great if he hadn't. I'm telling you for two reasons, I believe. One, if I don't have a choice, I can't truly love. I chose this woman as my wife. Among all the women I knew, I chose her. So she knows that I love her because I chose her and not everybody else. In the same way, God said, will you choose me every day? Will you choose me? Second reason. Because there's a blessing in obedience. Because when I obey, I continue to receive the blessings of God in the garden. So God creates them. And then Satan, who has been cast down to this earth, and the next question I get is, why did God put us and Satan on the same planet? Listen to me, this is why. Because he told Adam and Eve, I give you authority over every creeping thing. They had authority over Satan. They could have cast him out of the garden. When Eve is eating the fruit from the tree, the scripture says Adam was with her. He could have said, Eve, don't. We're not listening to Satan. But this is what Satan did. He said, when I was in heaven, I got kicked out of heaven. He didn't say this. I was in heaven. I got kicked out of heaven because I wanted to be like God. Eve, don't you want to be like God? If you eat from this tree, you can be like God. You will know good and evil just like God does. Wouldn't it be great to be like God? He fell for the deception. Adam was with her. Adam fell for the deception. They sinned. They broke the relationship with God. This is what actually happens in that moment. They say, God, you are my creator, but from this point forward, I'm listening to Satan, not you. I'm following what he says, not what you said. You said, don't eat from it. He said, eat from it. I am submitting to uh, whoever you submit yourself to for obedience, you are a slave to. So the prince of the power of this earth takes over and we become submitted to him through our sin. And it has busted the relationship between us and God. And God in that very moment comes into the garden and says, where are you? You didn't eat through the tree, did you? All right, then I've got to do something. I'm going to send my son, and he's going to restore this. How does Jesus coming to this earth restore this process between uh, man and God? You see, what divided them was sin. They had chosen to follow Satan. They had picked a new leader. Jesus comes to this earth, and he lives as a man, as a man like us, as a human being like us but he never submits to Satan. Never. Never does what Satan says. Never follows a single instruction from Satan. Therefore, he is still loyal to God. Therefore, he is still due an eternity with God everlasting in heaven at the throne. Why? Because he has not submitted to anyone other than God. And he does this beautiful thing for you. Let's do this. I'll take your punishment. You take my right standing, Jesus says. I'm not due an eternity separated from God. You are, but I'll give you my righteousness and whatever punishment is due you. Listen, if you're a parent, you get punishment. We're not talking about evil, wicked things. We're talking about discipline for having done wrong. If you don't discipline a child, they continue to do wrong. So there was a discipline for man. It was separation from God. You want to follow Satan? He's your king. You got him for eternity. That's not God sending people to hell. That's people making a choice who their king is. So Jesus comes and he lives a sinless life. He says, i tell you what, I'll take all your punishment on me and you can have my righteousness and all you got to believe is that I'm doing it for you. You gotta believe that I'm taking your punishment on the cross and that you're willing to follow. What happens? Christ goes to the cross, but listen, before that he is mocked, he is tried, he is spit on, his beard is pulled out, crown of thorns put on his head, he is beaten, he is nailed to a cross. And he says, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because at that moment, God is pouring the wrath out the punishment out for Todd Mazingo's sin on Jesus. And he separated from Jesus. And if that story had been ended right there, hey, Jesus took your sins and he died, we would have no idea if we were righteous before God. It would have been a story It would have been, oh yeah, he said that and he died, but what proof do we have that there's any life after this and that we're forgiven? The fact that through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus rises from the dead and says, I have overcome death. What is death? Biblical death is separation from God for eternity. He says, I've overcome that separation from God. You now can be with God if you would believe that I took your punishment for you and you would step into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. restored to the righteousness that you have in Christ then all of that is forgiven and so this is what the believer tells me after they come to know Christ they say but what happens tomorrow if I get unrighteously angry and I say some curse words right do something wrong listen to me Christ died for your sins before you even committed them 2,000 years before you had the opportunity to commit one. He died for your sins. He's saying, give it all to me on the cross. Give it all to me on the cross, and this is how it works. I'll send my spirit to live in you. He'll begin convicting you of what's right and what's righteousness. We'll walk you toward God. We'll start leaving those things of the enemy behind, but I've got you for eternity. And maybe you're sitting here today, and you're saying, but I, I just never have heard from the Spirit. I I don't hear from God. God doesn't give me directions. I feel very alone in this process and I've tried to make good decisions. I've tried to be a good moralistic person. I've tried to do right things, but I just can't keep that up. Do you know why you can't keep that up? Because you have no Holy Spirit encouraging you and convicting you and leading you. Maybe this morning is the day you're ready to say, I need what Christ did for me. I need to be forgiven. I need my spirit regenerated. I need it brought to life. I need to be born again. I need the Holy Spirit to come dwell in me so I can be led by the Spirit as a child of God. I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. It's not a preacher's trick. This is an opportunity for you to get alone with you. And for you to be honest with you, maybe this Sunday, maybe in this church, maybe at this time is the first time you're gonna actually consider, am I born again? Am I saved? Do I have an eternity with God or I just keep telling myself I do because I want that? Today. Today would be the moment to say, God, I understand what Jesus did on the cross and I'm gonna put my faith that he did that for me. All of my punishment, all of my condemnation, I'm putting it on the cross. I'm accepting him as a perfect one. I'm accepting him as a Lord and savior. I'm accepting him as the one who paid my debt before you. Forgive me, God. Send your spirit to dwell in me. I want to be reborn. I want my spirit brought to life. I want the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in me. I want to begin hearing from you and be guided by you and be led by you. These other people are talking about how you lead them, but I've just never had that. And today I want it. I want to know that the decisions I'm making are not just with my feeble mind, but with the actual power and word of God in my life. So today, God, I just submit my life to you. I believe in what Jesus did. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe he was resurrected to show me there was a life after this and that he could give me an eternal life with you and I want it. I'm claiming it right now. Thank you, God, for allowing it to be clear today. Thank you, God, that I could receive it. Thank you, God, that I'm now in the kingdom of God, that you're sending your spirit to me, that I've been renewed and reborn. Thank you, God. I'm gonna ask you to keep your eyes closed for just a moment. Because one of the things that's very encouraging to the family of God is that scripture says, when just one, when just one understands it and accepts it for them, all of heaven rejoices. And listen to me, you may not have thought of this, but if you're a believer, you are seated in heavenly places. All rejoice when just one says, all right, today I understand, I need that for me.
0: Well, what did you think? Do you understand how your spirit matters and how it influences our soul and our body? Does it make more sense now what Jesus meant by being born of the Spirit? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. Now for some very exciting news. Pastor Todd's latest book has just been released. It's called Missing Pieces. Have you ever asked yourself, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, why do I still do the things that I don't want to do? Pastor Todd addresses this and many more important questions that most of us have pondered for years. Pastor Todd fills in the missing pieces that we have wondered about, and when those pieces are understood and put in place, the bigger picture becomes more clear. This new book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revived Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow.com forward slash give. If you happen to be in our area or planning a visit, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts. Thank you for joining us.